Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. I need just a little runway tonight. I'm going to spend some time and laying some groundwork. But if you'll promise to stay with me for just a few minutes, we'll get there one way or the other. For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. That's the level playing ground. If you came to the Lord and put on Christ, you are his children. Verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. Don't let that confuse you. He says, for you are all one. Where are we all one? In Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and you are an heir according to the promise. The Spirit of the Lord has been working on my heart. I kind of felt one direction throughout the day and the closer I got to service tonight, I just kind of felt a shift. But I want to talk to you tonight about kingdom culture, how important the kingdom culture is. And I'm going to give you a, a long title. I, I'm, I'm going to teach or preach tonight about maintaining kingdom culture, but a subtitle of that would be maintaining kingdom culture in a culture of chaos. This world that we're living in is chaotic. But I want to tell you tonight, I want to, I want to set this before you're even seated. The church is not in trouble. The church is not lacking ammunition. This world is chaotic and this world is in trouble. Everywhere you look, people are turning kingdoms upside down and inside out and nations are falling. And, but the church is not in trouble. Jesus said upon this rock, I will build. Somebody say, I will build. I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. If you're in Christ and you're in the body, you're on the right team tonight. I think we ought to give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Would you help me do that? Thank you, God. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I give honor to you precious people tonight. Thank you for standing for so long. If the Lord will help me tonight, I'm going to get some of this out of my spirit. I don't know from this point where I stand tonight, 
I really don't know how exactly to bring it all together into a great landing spot tonight, but I can say this. Before we leave here, I believe the Lord's going to speak to us. This is perhaps the strangest and most chaotic society that there has ever been. If you spend time studying back through uh, ancient times, there was a lot of weird things that happened and uh, you, can, you can find some pretty wild stuff out there, especially if you get into Greek mythology and Hellenism and even in the Roman Empire there were some strange things that happened. But I'm telling you, the Western world right now is a mess. It is absolutely chaos. I had someone tell me this week that they have uh, in, in their line of work someone that they're, they're having to deal with and train that has identified themselves as a they-them. And if you don't call them they-them, they are extremely offended. And my girls and I were talking about that at supper tonight. Like, how do you greet them? Hey, how they doing? You know, like, how do you do that? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you that if we could get down to the very bottom, like literally the, the very bottom, how many of y'all ever played Jenga? I'm talking about the piece that you, when you pull out the whole thing crumbles. This is the piece that is wrecking this society right now. You were made in the image of God. And the enemy wants to do everything he can to mar that image. That was the plan from the beginning when God created man. Lucifer immediately started messing with the identity of God's chosen people. And I want to say this tonight. It doesn't sound very encouraging from the get-go, but be encouraged. It's not going to get any easier the further we go and the closer we get to the coming of the Lord. For all of the people that are waiting for it to get easier to commit to serving the Lord, you have waited too late. It's not going to get any easier to be committed. It's not going to get any easier to be faithful. As a matter of fact, I feel like to some degree, the further we go here, I, I want to be so careful how I present this tonight that I told a pastor friend of mine that called me today on the phone, I said, you know, I don't like this and I don't want to lean into this, but the further I go, I can see at least a more clear way as to why some people lean towards a post or at least mid tribulation coming because we are so close right now to things leaning in the direction that's going to make it more and more difficult for people to serve the Lord I don't want this to get crazy because there's people that have different ideas about political things and how they're going to happen but I want you to know the spirit 
that's behind this and the way that this, this modern machine of the press is forming people's minds. The other night, apparently there was a very hard, I guess what you would call conservative swing in the state of Iowa for their caucus. And whether you like or dislike the people that are running, I don't even want to focus on that tonight. But when that was over, there was a lady on the news, and the clip was shared with me, that said, you know, the problem with this, the reason why people are voting this way is because they're all white Christians. This lady is, is not Caucasian. She said, the problem with America right now is the people that want this are white Christians and they are the fundamental problem with the United States of America. Look, I'm going to tell you, the fundamental problem with America is people love sin. That's the fundamental problem with America. The fundamental problem with America is if any nation turns their back against God, God will turn his face away from that people. That's Bible. You can't argue with that. You can't debate about that. But I'm telling you that if God was willing to save Sodom for ten righteous people, I believe that God can send revival to this nation for just a few righteous people that will stand up and declare, we don't care how difficult it gets and what this world says. We refuse to agree with the ideology that Christianity is the problem. I would say to you tonight that Christianity, as is identified in the scripture, not only is it not the problem, it is the cure. Jesus Christ is the cure. He's the cure. I don't care what your political persuasion is. It's a sad thing when you're a better Republican than you are apostolic. Some of you will fight for your political love, but you won't fight for the kingdom of God. And there's nothing wrong with having your opinion. There's nothing wrong with feeling the way you feel unless it's contrary to the scripture then you got to take that up with God but I want you to understand tonight that I the further I go and I know this probably makes people very uncomfortable but the older I get and the further I go the more I realize why preachers of old days preached against everything don't get nervous but you know, you know why they did. And I'm going to tell you something. Some of those same preachers that were willing to die on the hill of television and Hollywood and all that distraction, if those preachers were alive right now, they'd probably preach against social media. Because all of the, all of the chaos that is ensuing in the world right now happens because the average Joe has received a larger voice than they've ever had before. Like, it's a, it's a shame 
the way that the authority in this nation is treated. I'm not going to say to you that there's never been a crooked cop. But that doesn't make every cop crooked. I'm not going to say to you there's never been a crooked preacher. But that don't make every preacher crooked. And when people are filming themselves, degrading the authorities in this nation and the authority in the church, there's, it's no wonder why this world feels so chaotic. But I, I want to make this clear to you tonight. I am so thankful that I live in this country. And I am an American from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I will always stand to my feet when I pledge allegiance to the flag. I will always cover my heart when we sing the national anthem. But I'm going to tell you this tonight. I will never be more American than I am apostolic. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Because I'm going to tell you there are people that are apostolic in nations that preach it's illegal to be apostolic. And we live in a nation where you can believe or be, trust me, you can be anything you want to be. So all I'm saying to you is the only reason that somebody would not be full of the Holy Ghost, walking in the Holy Ghost, living for the Lord, is because they don't want to. Man, I didn't expect y'all to run like that. You can be seated. So if we live in a time where people aren't doing it because they don't want to, where does that put us in a time when they tell you you can't? Can I break it down Gerber style tonight and tell you that if you won't make up your mind right now, don't you think for one moment you're going to make up your mind then? If you can't stand for holiness and righteousness right now, don't you think for one second that you're going to stand for it when it gets tough. I'm telling you tonight by the power of the Holy Ghost that is on me. If you cannot see the spirit of error and the spirit of this age that's working throughout the church right now fighting on the very fundamentals of apostolic identity and who we are and what's always identified us. I'm going to tell you the enemy is going to use the same trick that he's always used. He's going to try to make it cute and make us feel sympathetic towards it and use the spirit of sympathy to take. Listen, I'm here tonight by the power of the Holy Ghost to tell you it's time for Pentecost to get some fight back in our spirit. It is time for the church of the living God to get some fight back in our spirit and let the devil know we are not going to acquiesce to every voice and every wind that blows in this age. I don't want anything to do with this world. It's amazing how quickly we start justifying things in our lives and we get away from the kingdom of God and the principles of the kingdom of God. But understand tonight very clearly in the scripture, it's identified to us explicitly. There's no question whatsoever that the church started under the power of a Roman empire that was 100% 
an unfriendly environment to the church. And do you know what happened in an unfriendly environment to the church? It grew. God established it and God grew it. And he added to the church daily such as should be saved. But I'm telling you tonight in this kingdom that we live, you cannot change the kingdom of God by a vote in the kingdoms of this world. This kingdom is not a democracy. This kingdom is not a republic. This is the kingdom of heaven. It is the kingdom of God. It was not established by man. It cannot be manipulated by man. It is, it is so true that in our pursuit of relevance that the church has literally relinquished the power that we are supposed to be in our society. It's amazing to me how hungry we are for cultural relevance in the church. It's going to sound like I'm on my soapbox, so I guess it might as well get full of suds right now, and I'll just soap it up. But I want to tell you that this modern church age we live in has done amazing at connecting with cultural relevance. But we see less and fewer signs and wonders. Than has ever been seen in the age of the history of the church. Now you can't teach this stuff and preach this stuff without people thinking that you're, you're speaking against medicine. I'm not speaking against medicine. I'm just saying America has been moved to the place of dependence on it in such a way that if you can't afford it, we'll just give it to you. And you don't have, you, like, why trust God when you don't have to? Woo! Son, I'm telling you, it's tied up in here right now. You ever wonder, can I just ask, like, do you ever wonder what people did before pharmaceutical companies were so big? Anybody wonder? It's in the Bible, if you really want to know. When people were insane, well, we find out they were actually demon-possessed. And some, I'm not saying everybody that's insane is possessed, don't get me wrong, but in these cases, anybody remember me preaching the other night, devil, get out of my way? Do you know why those men were tied up on the outskirts of town, locked up in chains? Because that's what they did with people that were insane. They locked them up, sent them out. They didn't have an answer. When Jesus got off the boat, Anybody know what happened? They were delivered. You know what ought to be happening in this day and time that we're living in right now? When Jesus steps off the boat in our lives. There ought to be power. There ought to be demonstration. There ought to be authority. Oh, God. I was sitting with a pastor the other day. We were talking about the subject of coffee. I don't know if anybody else in here is a big coffee drinker. You know, I, I love coffee. 
I can drink coffee if it's foo-foo, or I can drink coffee if it's terrible. I've, I've drank a lot of gas station coffee and airport coffee and hunting thermos coffee to set in the truck all day and you get another cup when you get like I don't care if it's Maxwell House Folgers or if it's something that's roasted locally and it's single origin and it's very precious coffee I, I like it all but this pastor said to me he said you know this generation that they can't do a lot of things he said if it's not on YouTube to tell you how to do it like you can't do it he said, now they can make a mean cup of coffee. And that's the truth. You look at the age that we're living in right now, we've become a coffee house nation. Like this was kind of a European concept. That the coffee houses were gathering places for meetings. I would challenge you, before you get uneasy, I'm not preaching against coffee. If I do that, the Lord's coming back. I want you to notice how agendas are pushed in the coffee culture of our society it's like every coffee house is this little artsy neat little walk in and there's rainbows everywhere flags you understand what I'm saying a little chaotic if you ask me how do we bring order to that well you're not gonna do it by fighting Well, I got online and I told them. And they all changed, didn't they? I gave them a piece of my mind. And next time you went back, still the same. I'm going to tell you, church, listen to me. We live in a generation not of real fighters, not anymore. But of fighters that will fight over anything. It don't matter what it is. If you look. And oh Lord, it's going to get tight. If you look at how stupid some of these protests are that's going on right now. When people of alternate lifestyles are standing in the street picketing for Palestine. Where if they walk their foot on the streets of Gaza... Gone. Listen to me. This was established biblically. This is a Luke 15 principle. It's living in a pig pen and investing in something that can never invest in you in return. They are selling. They're literally laying on the ground in front of semi-trucks. Fighting for a cause that would kill them if they could get their hands on them. Woo! Yeah, but I want to fight. I'm going to tell you right now. That in this age that we live in of fighting and gross darkness. This is what I want you to know. Your experience will never bow down to someone's argument. If you know that the word of God is right and you have experienced that in your life and you know that holiness is right and you know that righteousness is right, let them argue. Let them fuss. If you've got 
experience, it will never bow down to an argument. Woo! I heard something today that kind of caught me off guard. I heard a man saying, come on America, we can outlive this. I thought, well, you big dummy, we're all trying. What do you mean? I want you to consider this. Because the enemy is doing everything he can to mar the image of God and people. He said, all we have to do is let them do their thing. If they want two men, two women, destroy, mutilate genitals. He said, look, all we have to do is be fruitful and multiply. And in 20 years, they ain't going to have anybody. How do you know that? Does nature itself not teach us? Now the problem is, I don't know if we got 20 years left. And we got a whole lot we're going to have to live through for 20 years. But the kingdom of God, because it is being used People are being used in the earth to establish the kingdom everywhere we go. I want you to understand that we are truly in the fight of our lives to maintain the kingdom in the earth. I mean, I'm trying to keep this as positive as I can. I never dreamed we'd be fighting some of the things we're fighting in this nation. Never dreamed it. Honest to God, I never imagined. Me and my daughters were sitting at dinner uh, recently, and our server came to the table and walked away, and Jocelyn kind of looked like she'd messed up a little bit. I said, kind of looked at her funny, she said, I almost called her ma'am. Wasn't sure. Like, whoever dreamed that you wouldn't know whether to say, thank you, ma'am, thank you, sir, did I offend you if I called you, sir, I don't, so you can focus on, it's there, it's real, we're going to have to deal with it, we're going to have to live with it, but can I preach to you tonight, y'all got on the whole armor tonight? It does not change our mandate. It does not change our mission. That is a kingdom. You know it by the word. It's going to crumble. It's going to fall down. It can't last forever. But, oh my God. But this kingdom that was established will never die. The prophet said of his government, There shall be no end. I've come to tell you that when the protesters have died and the streets are empty, this kingdom will go on. Don't go on. Now buckle your seatbelt because I'm going to be tough on you right here. And if you don't believe that with 100% of your being, you're not going to make it. 
If you're still trying to convince yourself whether this is right or not, woo! This is the struggle that I have right now with the church age is that we're trying to see how much God we can live without and still be godly. How much worldliness can we have and still be godly? Got in the book of of Judges chapter 16 today, and I believe it's right around verse 20. At the fall of Samson, after he has given in time after time, I, I wish I had time to really break this down, but you know, Samson's a sad story. But Samson wasn't destroyed in a day. It was the gradual process of backsliding. And if you go through all of it, it's like he gets closer and closer and closer and closer to his weakness every time. I'm taking you back to Sunday school now, but I'm telling you it's the truth. He didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm, I'm done, forget it. I just want to be with this hoochie mom and I'm going to live my life. No, it started when he married a Philistine woman. You understand what I'm saying? And I believe it's about verse 20. It said that the spirit of the Lord departed from him and he didn't even know it. And when they came in, then like they did at other times and the spirit had departed from him. Oh, God, help me right now. He stood up to do what he used to do when the spirit was on him because he didn't know the spirit had left him. And this is the story of the modern church. I wonder how many churches that the glory has departed from, but we've got enough smoke and lights that nobody knew it. We got better lights, we got better sound, and we got better cafes, and we got better youth ministries, and no lives are being changed, and nobody's turning around, and nobody's being delivered, but thanks to God, we got, we got the system figured out. Woo! Can I preach to you? Wonder how many churches the glory has departed. But because they couldn't recognize the finger of God writing. They have no clue that Ichabod was written on the door. I wonder if we've programmed ourselves. In modern Christianity to the place. That our music is good enough. We can have church without his glory. Because I'm a pastor and my email has pastor and it's connected to church, it's amazing how many things I get signed up for that I never signed up for. And I get emails on a weekly basis saying, pastors, I know you must be frustrated kind of trying to get a message every Sunday. So we are selling you a plan on how you can always be sure that you have something to preach. And I'm like, hey. Hey, I can tell you how to do it, boys. It ain't going to be no $49.95 a month either. If you want to be sure you got a word, then tie yourself into the source. Find you some carpet somewhere and lay on your face until God talks. 
Can, oh God. Can we go to the Bible? In Acts the 17th chapter, it's the only time in Paul's ministry that Paul decides at Mars Hill to use language of cultural relevance. He tries to talk to them about their philosophers. He tries to talk to them in their language, right? Starts talking to them about their unknown gods because he wants to be relevant. So if I can paint this picture for you. Mars Hill was the first time that Paul ever tried to preach with ripped jeans and his chest hair hanging out of his Hawaiian shirt. You know how much fruit it produced? Zero. Paul didn't convert anybody at Mars Hill. But I do think he learned a lesson. Because by the time he started writing to the Corinthian church, you can say a lot about Paul, but if you've ever studied the life about, of Paul, I'm going to tell you, Paul was an intellectual. Paul was crazy smart, crazy connected. He spoke multiple languages. He was very well learned. Saul was absolutely well learned. But by the time he got to write to the church at Corinth, he said, I have not come to you with enticing words of men's wisdom. I want you to listen to me, church. But in demonstration and power of the Holy Ghost. I have tried to be culturally relevant and it didn't produce fruit. But when signs are confirming the word, you realize that the kingdom of heaven has been established and order has been established and it doesn't matter how chaotic this world is. Do you understand what I'm saying to you tonight, church family? That the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, it's going to get more chaotic. But I believe that the kingdom of God is not, there is no chaos in the kingdom. Are you hearing me? There's no chaos in this message. That's why it was established to be absolutely certain and pure. The church has got to maintain a certain sound. There's not multiple ways to God. There's not multiple modes of baptism. It's still the same as it's always been, Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. We still believe in one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. He said, I'm going to establish order through the apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. This world may be in chaos, but the kingdom of heaven is not in chaos. God help us tonight. Don't let us be your people. The glory departs from us. And we didn't even know it left. If I would have had the time tonight, we would have walked through the red letter part of your Bible as to how many times Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is like unto. And he starts using stories and allegories and powerful parables as he's teaching people the kingdom of heaven is like unto. He says it's like unto a treasure in a field. 
The kingdom of heaven is like unto ten virgins. Are you with me tonight? Ten virgins. Were they all pure? Yeah, they were all virgins. Every one of them. Well, some people just have pure motives and some don't. No, they were all there for the same reason. They were all there waiting for the bridegroom. Every one of them. Pure intentions. Pure motives. Pure hearts. But the oil in the darkest hour of the night, some of them ran out of oil because they did not have enough. Jesus is telling this story and he said, I want this to be crystal clear. The midnight hour is not a good time to go buy oil. I'm preaching to you on Wednesday night. This is a bad time to be running back and forth to the store. And Lord, I hope I can make it. I hope I've got enough. Here's the sad part that this, this kingdom of this world, this kingdom of chaos, they don't like absolutes and they don't like to hear this. I'm going to tell you as I'm quickly coming to a close tonight exactly how Jesus taught it. He said the five that had enough oil, they were wise. The five that didn't have enough oil, don't be offended now. He said they're foolish. And the five wise, when the bridegroom came and the call came forth, behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. He establishes the tone of victory in the kingdom culture. And he said it like this. If you've got enough oil, you're going to be saved. If you don't have enough oil, you're going to be lost. Well, no, pastor, I don't, I just don't, I don't believe that. I think the Lord knows my good intentions. I'm not here to argue tonight because I think we've got enough experience that the argument is irrelevant. I'm just going to tell you. I'd rather stand before the Lord knowing I had more than enough than I would to stand before the Lord wishing I would have had a little bit more. And so tonight I'm going to end where I started in Galatians, the third chapter. He said, when you come into this body, baptize into Christ, you're in Christ. He said, there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, bond nor free. I want this to settle in your hearts tonight. It seems to me that the church has become so preoccupied with being multicultural churches that we are missing kingdom culture. I sat in a session way back in the summer with a man that pastors of a powerful, thriving, growing Hispanic church. And he made this statement, and literally you could hear people like gasp around the room. He said, I do not want to pastor a multicultural church. And people were like, <gasps> He said, now let me tell you why. 
He said, we need to be striving to pastor multi-ethnic churches. But there's only one culture in the kingdom. And that is the kingdom culture. That is the culture. Oh, God, help us tonight. It is the culture of Pentecost. It don't matter if you're a Jew. It don't matter if you're a Greek. It, it doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't, it really doesn't matter who your parents were, how you were born. That's why he set the record straight with Nicodemus. Except a man be. Come on, somebody, preach it to me. If you haven't been born again of water and spirit, well, what if I don't want to? That's cool. You don't have to be. But you won't see, nor enter. Got another phone call this week asking me how I felt about light doctrine. We did a panel on it. Was that last year? Like spring, I think, summer? How do you feel about light doctrine? I said, let me tell you how I feel about light doctrine. And this is the basic premise of light doctrine. If you walk in all the light you know, God understands your heart and you'll be saved. I said, let me tell you how I feel about light doctrine. If light doctrine is true, we need to cancel every foreign missions program we've got. And we need to quit sending missionaries to foreign lands to preach the gospel to people. Because we are destroying people's lives by preaching truth to them. Then they're accountable to something else they know. I said, let's stop giving to missions completely and bring all of our missionaries home. Because I don't want to destroy people's lives. You want to know what I think about light doctrine? Here's what I think about it. Except a man. Be born again. Of water and spirit. Well, what about people on islands? They've never heard the, the preach word of God. You don't know they've never heard the word of God. You don't know at what point the Lord could show up to them. Somebody answer this question for me. Who preached to Abraham? Nobody. Nobody preached to Abraham. The voice of the Lord came to Abraham and said, come out from here. I'm going to tell you, you can't outrun this message. You can't outrun this culture. You can't outrun his kingdom. If God is big enough to send his son to this earth and die for our sins, he is big enough to reach every far island. He is big enough to reach every foreign nation. He is a God that is able to save to the uttermost. And I'm going to tell you this, when every single person that believes light doctrine is dead and in the grave, Acts 2.38 still going to be going on. Y'all stand with me tonight. I knew there's no way I was ever going to get finished. But I want you to understand tonight, church. That our number one priority in 2024 is not to be as culturally relevant as we can be in this world. I'm not saying, please don't misconstrue what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to be the best at everything we can. You know what? Some of us have just had to roll with the punches. I was a musician all my life and I've got certain things I like certain types of music that I like 
And I got certain types I don't like. But you'll never know which ones I don't like. Because I'm going to have my hands raised on the ones that I like. And I'm going to have my hands raised on the ones that I don't like. You know why? Because I believe in this kingdom culture. I believe in the kingdom of God. And I believe with all my heart that the will of God for this church, I'm not going to speak for anybody else. I don't pastor anybody else's church. I'm going to tell you what the will of God is for this church. The will of God for this church this year is that when people walk in the doors bound, they walk out of here set free. That's the will of God. That's the kingdom culture. If they walk in here and love our music, praise the Lord. If they walk in here and like my simple little old preaching, thank the Lord. Thank God that they found something they like. But if they don't like this gospel, woo, we're not trying to win people to a church. We're not trying to win them to a concept. We're trying to win them by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's the only thing that saves. That's it. The pressure, the pressure is on. The pressure is on in this society. If you're not culturally relevant, then you're not going to build a church. That's not true because God started his church and built his church in the most culturally irrelevant way. But Jesus came. I believe everything he does, he does with order. I've preached that and taught that for years. But it's not an accident that when Jesus established his kingdom or his empire, that he established his, his empire in the earth during the Roman Empire. Because his empire, the Roman Empire would be the most similar empire to his. And that's why when his disciples were trying to understand it, the centurion got it. Matthew 8, he said, you don't even have to come lay your hands on him yourself. He said, I'm a man that's under authority, and I have authority. And he said, I believe, sir, that if you'll just say the word, that it'll work. And it's like Jesus had turned to his disciples and go, he's getting it, and you're not. This kingdom is so powerful. Don't believe it if you don't want to, okay? I'm going to tell you how I believe it. We can pray right here in this room. And somebody laying in the hospital can feel the power that we're praying right here. Right here. You can pray in this room right here. You can pray in your living room. And your drug-addicted son, nephew, daughter, niece, you can pray the prayer of faith. And the Lord can begin to establish his kingdom right where they're sitting. Oh, they're in a terrible place. It's not so terrible that his kingdom can't be established there. I want to win everybody that I can win. But if we could do it on personality alone, man, we'd pack places out. I love being friendly to people. 
I was sitting in Starbucks before the funeral on Friday, uh, on Monday. Man walked in, I was sitting there in my suit. He goes, hey bro, what do you do for a living? You don't see people in suits much anymore. So I'm a pastor. And he sat down and said, oh, that's cool. You're a pastor? Yeah, I'm a pastor. We started talking. He knew all the police officers that go to church here. He was a retired fireman, knew everybody. He said, man, I know exactly where you are. I know all those guys, like those guys. We can't do it on personality, folks. You got to have favor with people, don't get me wrong. But we're, we're not here to just be the most relevant church around. I want to do my best. I hope you understand that. I want to do my best. But I'm not going to forsake this kingdom culture so that we can be relevant to the culture of chaos. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to buy it. God, help this church. Help me as the shepherd that you have placed in this church, in this city. God, the anointing that you've put on me. Lord, you've put my feet here. You have placed my physical body here. This is where you've called me to be. This is where you've called these precious people to be tonight. But help us to understand that everywhere we go, we are literally ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And we are not to be afraid or intimidated by the presence of this modern culture of chaos. But you created us to be more. You created us to be more powerful. You created us to walk in victory. And God forbid we ever let the pressures of this world Talk us into being less than what you created us to be. We want to honor your name. We want to bring glory to your name in this city, in this region. God, we want to bring glory to your name in this church. God, we want to bring glory to your name on our jobs. I pray, Lord, that you would give a fire within us, a fight back in our spirit, that we're going to stand for righteousness. We're going to save ourselves from this untoward generation.